Hello, my friends. My name is Aureli. Education Monsters is a podcast that discusses multicultural education. Hello, everyone on Education Monsters. I'm here with my guest, Jasmine, that I've met in Massachusetts. In Boston, we work together in a pharmaceutical company, and I'm so happy to have her with us today because she is one of my best friends. I'll introduce her to you guys. So she was born in New York, but she grew up in Massachusetts. She went to school for a bachelor's in movement science in physical health and education. Then after graduation, she kept working in pharmaceutical companies and also got an interest in art. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Aureli. Thank you for having me today. I'm so happy to finally be part of this. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being here, you too. It's been a while. I know it has been. I miss you. <laughs> I know that damn pandemic, we're supposed to see each other. <laughs> I know. This is the best we can do, and I'm appreciative for it. <laughs> Okay, Jasmine, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us about your education and how you grew up at home? Oh, sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, and uh, moved to Massachusetts at a younger age of about 10 or 11. It was, it was a, quite an experience moving from a, a town that was fully Dominican and, and mostly Puerto Rican to meeting pretty much the first white person. The only white people that I knew were my teachers. I just thought all teachers were white. <laughs> I really didn't know a difference. But when I moved to Massachusetts, I was bombarded with this culture that, which is really weird, I was now a minority and understood what that meant because I felt that I came into a very, what I now realize is a very racist place. <laughs> you know, and I think it was... um not the most positive first impression on my end. And I think that kind of followed me throughout my experience living in this town. Almost like the trauma that it brought me as a young kid and being removed from your, your home to a completely different culture, different attitudes, which is a little crazy because I don't consider whiteness a culture, you know? But it became a culture in my end. And that's how I perceived it, you know? I obviously, thank God, didn't like set a prejudice towards that community, but it really did affect the way that I function within this town and how I was perceived in, in and how important that has become to the success of what I've done and how I intentionally make decisions based on my culture and how I want to move my culture forward. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Can you please tell us more about your culture and how you grew up with that? And was it celebrated a lot in your family? So yeah, I come from a, a traditional Dominican home. I grew up Catholic, you know, very close to family, huge extended family, a lot of partying, a lot of love. It's a fun time to be around my family, right? Um, so I lost a little bit of that culture when I moved here. So that was a huge disconnect. You know, I was first generation to graduate from college. Now, you know, all my cousins are kind of like, in, in the, we're in the same process. And now we have our first PhD coming out of my family, you know, but I think that generation was the only generation that was born in this country. All our parents immigrated here. So I think we're now stabilizing. And I think we're getting to the point that we are at the same level as our counterparts in our like In, in our jobs, you know, I feel like now we're at a place that it's leveled, whereas like before I thought we had like some type of handicap. But I think with that adversity, it moves us forward. And I think we come with this like resiliency that is just like bred into us. And I think that's what really propels us forward with all the challenges that we've met. 
Okay, and how privileged do you feel about this, having, uh, uh, being the first generation to have a diploma? Do you feel like kind of grateful that you had this education and this opportunity that maybe your family didn't have back then? Oh, absolutely. And the crazy part is, is that I didn't realize it until I became an adult and kind of understood what that process meant because my family literally gave up everything they knew to move to a country for those particular particular opportunities like my mom's one goal was to was to have us pursue education you know so it was ingrained into us from a very young age that the reason why we are here is so we can have a better life so it, it was almost like it was not there was no alternative although um my mom was very encouraging of understanding that if education wasn't what we wanted to pursue and we wanted to maybe pursue like a trade or or something more hands-on she would encourage it but I knew how important it was for her to kind of have a degree and I did go to a, a vocational school in high school which most of the students don't pursue a college education but I took an alternative route I wanted to almost like validate my mom's sacrifice and make sure that I gave that to her as a gift I will never go back to college and I'm not interested <laughs> um there's so many different avenues that you can take as you know Right now, I'm pursuing being an entrepreneur and kind of like dabbling into the artist, artistic field and seeing what opportunities lay in that. But I will never take out another student loan. I'm not saying that's not a good way to go. Just me personally, I just want to kind of explore different ways. I completely agree with you. And in my uh, other episode with Sonia, we're talking about Asian sacrifice when they come to uh, the States or to Canada to seek a better opportunity. It's hard for immigrant kids to be like, okay, then let me just throw this off. So you have this sort of loyalty plus obligation to respect your parents' wish. It might not be what you want to use instead. So I also found that category because not only did I have uh, the chance to pursue an education in France, which was free, but also in the States, I was very blessed with scholarships and, and all that, which uh, may not have happened under other circumstances. And now I'm realizing that, look, this whole, this whole education thing was a lot of image. Like for an immigrant, it reflects a lot when you have those little letters after your name, you know? I mean, I'll tell you this much. I was able to give my mom that gift, but then I ruined it right after. So as soon as I got my degree, as soon as I got my first job, I wanted to explore. I wanted to grow. I wanted to try new things. She couldn't understand the concept of, well, you have your degree, you have this great job and you want to leave it because you want to take a risk. I don't think she ever thought past that point. It was always get a degree and you get a job and you stay there till you die, you know? And to me, that was never a concept that I entertained. It was like, okay, I'm going to college pretty much for you. So now I gave you your gift. Now I get to do whatever I want. So that was a very hard conversation to have with her and mostly for her to receive because I, my decision was already made. I, the good thing is I live my life on my terms, which I, that's something that I definitely advise people to do because if you're living someone else's dream, you're never going to fulfill your full potential. You know, and parents' advice is always great, but I also tell people, take it with a grain of salt. They can only give you advice from their point of view, and their point of view is very limited. They have limited um, opportunities, limited experiences, limited education. So one of the things that I call my mom is like my number one hater. <laughs> That's so messed up. She's going to kick my ass if she hears this. But it's because as much as she encourages me, she doesn't realize how many limitations she's putting on me. And I used to take it super personal. But then I realized, okay, she's, she's coming from a great place. Her intentions are pure. But at the end of the day, I know what's good for me. So I make decisions based on what I want to do. 
And I kind of just pretend like I'm doing what she wants me to do. And then I just give her only the details that she wants to hear. And I continue on my journey, which is super important. I feel like me, I consider myself a very strong, independent woman. And she's taught me this. So now I'm using all the skills that she's, she's giving me. And I think it's, it's backfiring a little bit on her end. But at the end of the day, I know... She wants me to be happy in whatever decisions I make. She's going to support it regardless. Completely agree. 100%. You know, uh, when I graduated from college and even from my master's, I never felt proud. So I never attended the commencement ceremony because I did not feel like I had done something extraordinary. I just felt like going to college was just a normal thing to please your parents. And also it didn't bring me a sense of fulfillment that I had become a better human being or something. I did not want the attention from that. So when I picked up my diploma, I was like, this is just a piece of paper. I paid so much for this piece of paper and doesn't mean that it makes me a more elevated or educated human being because in the end, you could have found all these courses or read the material in books. It just didn't help me think better. So at some point, I also felt like you being an, an entrepreneur and also uh, going off my own was a better solution because the learning and the journey that you take will definitely be more powerful and impactful on your own persona. So that's interesting because on my end, I never got the chip of like entrepreneurship till later until I went through corporate America and realized I hate it, right? But in your case, you already had this kind of like fire inside of you that you already knew this is not representative of you. This is more of your parents. So was that challenging on your end? Because for me, I think I made it through college because... That was the only concept I knew. It was like, at that point, I was just trying to fulfill my mom's dreams. I didn't really have dreams of my own at that age. But for someone like you who already were able to unlock that idea, was that a struggle for you to get through college knowing that this might not be the avenue that is ultimately going to get you where you want to be? I always knew, but I was scared. That was my big thing. And the second I stepped on my fear, it was, it was actually this year. Then I decided to start a podcast, but I think I knew since I started my first summer job. My dad had got me this uh, internship at his insurance company, and I think it was like the saddest thing I've ever done, although I was very grateful for the opportunity and for having met a lot of awesome people. There was also some co-workers that had very disturbing speeches, so they were complaining all day about what they were doing and how they felt stuck due to, due to the fact that they had kids to feed and stuff like this. They, they couldn't pursue their dreams to the point where they just let go of them. And they were not allowed mm -hmm. to have dreams anymore because you have to provide food for the table. And they kept saying, oh, well, you have no choice. This is what it is. The system is like that. And who do you think you are to, uh, to think you can escape the system? And I kept telling them, no, but you have the choice. You choose every day to wake up and walk here. So it's definitely on you. And basically, after this summer, I remember this conversation really well uh, with um, this person. I, I did not want to become like them. I decided that I was going to go to art school. So I had already done a literature background in high school, mm -hmm. and there was not much, uh, there was not a lot of opportunity after this, um, this high school path because it's sort of limited, at least in France. So I kind of blamed it on the fact that, yeah, French people has the culture of blaming a lot and complaining mm. all day. So I thought it would be different in the States. So I gave my shot and finished my education, but it felt the same way. Like you're still trading your time for money and working for someone else. And it gives you that security, the stability that parents 
so badly want because I think they're, they're well-intentioned. They want you to be well. They don't want you to run out of money or food ever in your life because in the case of our parents, they have. And it sucks. Mm -hmm. Hunger sucks. Yeah, you know what? I really love that you mentioned choice because I think that's the number one thing that we forget we have. Everything is a choice, even your happiness. Every day you wake up and you have to make the choice of, I'm going to choose to be happy because the world is not feeding me that. The world loves to feed you negativity, even in the news. It's like the channel of negativity. It's like, hey, today I'm going to show you all the bad crap that happened in the world. You can't avoid that. Like subconsciously, that is going to infuse into your soul and you're going to, you're just going to start making decisions based on that. So that's why I think we don't live in a society that promotes wanting to make choices. I think we live in a society that actually encourages to be a sheep. So the best thing you can do for yourself is make a choice every single day for what the things that make you happy. But I think that's kind of like the kicker here is people don't know what makes you happy. So right now I have an art studio. I have an, a mobile art studio. And basically what I do is I go to different venues and I have these art workshops. So the art, the type of art that I create is, uh, it's abstract art. It's this technique called fluid art. It's a type of art that you literally, you cannot mess up. Right. And I love these workshops because it's like people are living through hardships. People are stressing. Sometimes it feels so nice to create something that it, it kind of brings the confidence back in regards to like, wow, I was able to learn something and put it into place. Like my life isn't falling apart. Right. So I like to encourage that. And the reason I bring this up is because I'm able to gauge and get a sense of like, I don't want to say the emptiness that people have, but almost like this like low self-confidence of like either trying new things or failing at things. And, and also I, the social pressure, like the peer pressure of fitting in. And this is what the education system has fed us is that you have to be a good employee. And then you have to wake up early and you have to be there at eight or at nine. And this is going to be your life. So I don't think the school system have done it right. Because if there's a lot of depression going on in the States, people have gone through many decades and then they just wake up one second and felt like they have lived someone else's dreams. And, and the thing about that, it's like there's enough people living that same lifestyle that now it becomes a norm. So if I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling empty and I feel like I'm stuck in this routine, I can easily just go to my next door like Cube and ask them certain questions and they're living the same life. So you just get this idea that it's like you convince yourself that, oh, I, I guess I'm fine because they're living the same life. It's not ideal. It's pretty <laughs> goddamn measurable. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, yeah. that's why you, there has to be something that clicks within you to want the best for yourself because that's not it. I'm going to be a hundred percent. That's not it. At least not for me. That's for sure. Yeah, I am laughing because it reminded us of how we bonded initially at this job because like you were saying, being sad is the norm and being negative is the norm. And this is something that not only affects you, but affects the next generation or their kids. And I just can't imagine raising kids like this, where it almost kind of feels hopeless, where you're just trapped in this company or this system and then you feel like this is the choice that you make but it's actually not it's the choice it's the limitation that you put on yourself and it reminded me of a lot of conversations that we had back then about just happiness just plain happiness people don't talk about it enough people would rather talk about trump or the kardashian rather than talk about themselves you can't you know you can't have you ever been to a place 
that someone comes in and they're jolly and they're like, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Pretty much the commentary is, oh, what's wrong with this person? Why are they so happy? <laughs> it's almost like you're imposing negativity onto them because it's just like so off-putting. People have learned to kind of keep the happiness to themselves or they choose not to, not to share certain parts of their life that becomes you know, that that is a happy moment because there's so many quote-unquote haters that they will ruin it before anything manifests. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember I wanted to go to grad school really mm -hmm. bad and I had all these dreams and I was called out several times like, don't talk. Just don't talk about it. Even though this part of you, even though it makes you happy, but just pretend that you're here as an employee and you stay in your lane. You don't ask questions. I remember we had this experiment and at some point there was an accident with one mm -hmm. of the animals and because I was in charge of it I wanted to report it and I was called out I was like just don't say anything and also keep it to yourself to me that was big it was like what are you working for if it's just for money and that's the thing too yes that's the thing I wanted to talk to you about is that it's so easy to stay in those dark places because people feel very comfortable with how much money they're getting per month. And, and the reality is people are totally okay with being mediocre. Like these company read mediocre people. Like that's what you want. At the end of the day, even if you had a business, there's a certain criteria, like follow the rules, do what you need to do. Right. But that's where it starts and that's where it ends. And that's the problem. Whereas like, I think one of the things that pushes us is to make sure that if when we become business owners and are in a position that we have a team, we want to encourage them. We want to develop them. We want to do all the things that we're missing in our lives. So I take those moments as learning moments. And instead of being so negative towards them now, what I do is I want to make sure that in my position, I don't let my team experience what I experience. I'm going to do the opposite. Because at the end of the day, if you develop leaders, your team is going to be the best regardless because now you're encouraging people. You're giving them confidence. You're giving them these things that are, one, outside of the norm, but it's a human necessity. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I see it within my team right now. I'm developing my team and like my number one person is leaving me right now. Why? Because I actually encourage this person to pursue their goals and to go to grad school. The first day I met this person, he told me he wanted to go to, to do his master's in um, marine biology, you know, and he's now pursuing his dreams. It's going to leave a hole. But guess what? He's pursuing his dreams. He's motivating me. He's motivating his team to be the best that they can be. And he doesn't realize this now, but I can see it already. Like I can see that people are already like, okay, I can see him pursuing things and I can see my boss wanting to develop that and encouraging. That goes a really long way. And I feel like I, I didn't have that a lot. So I, in, instead of being bitter, I'm being better. And I'm giving them those things that I never had. Whether they take it into account and whether they take advantage, that's on them. I can't control that. But I'm going to do everything I can in my position to lead with compassion and empathy and making sure that they feel heard and they feel that they have a place within this team and that they can grow from here, which I think is super important regardless is if they're from a different culture because no matter what team you're on, even though if physically they look the same, we all come from diverse backgrounds and we all have different needs. And, I, and I'm very sensitive to that, even though their needs are very different from mine. I try not to take away from that because I have my own struggles, you know? Mm -hmm. You were talking about growth earlier and I found that very, very nice that you're just thinking about people's happiness and growth first before a team. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of individualist, but also it makes sense on the long term mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. his growth 
meant that even though he has to go away, that's for its own fulfillment. Like he would not be happy without going to grad school. So if you're willing to let it go so that he can grow, he might be like its full best self. But if you just like, you know, enclose something or someone, then that's when they suffocate. You know, like growth is very important because if you feel trapped in a relationship or in a job, then you'll just never grow. You'll just stay in the same place and very rooted doesn't mean that you'll die, but it means that you might not be your best full potential self. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Second question, Jazz. I was also wondering whether the field you're in kind of matters for the open-mindedness because like we're talking about science and pharma being very kind of sh- like being strict and uh, keeping people in their lane and also offering them benefits just to keep people in place. But I was wondering if uh, the mentality of being in an art environment also allows for more free-flowing thinkers and the fact that you're independent to begin with because not every art is the same. So first of all, you have to acknowledge that we're all different. We need to grow differently, but also like you need to promote your own and your team's um, potential and talents. So it's funny because like being in this field actually pushed me to explore my creativity. Um, now that I'm completely like indulged in being an artist and in this field and being an instructor and having my workshops, it all stems from being so restricted in the science field that I needed an outlet. So I went so hard on this other end because it was just like, I love the abstract concepts. I love being free flowing. I love to just like get things on paper and like make mistakes and, and experiment. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of correlations between the two, but there's less restriction. Right. And the type of, especially the type of art that I do, which is abstract, there are rules, there are concepts, but at the end of the day, the, the approach that I take is the medium that I use. It dictates my steps. Right. Whereas like in an experiment, I'm kind of like setting things up in order to make sure that there's a sequence, there's logical understanding of what the next steps are. Whereas like here, all I can do is prep my materials and then the materials kind of dictate where things go. You know, so it's like, I don't think if it was because of the restrictions of my industry, I don't ever think I would have explored my artistic abilities, even though I know my entire life I've been an artist. Creativity just flows through my veins. It's just like, it's been infused with everything, you know? But I think needing that outlet was really the kicker for me. So again, it's the yin and the yang, which is like, I don't want to admit to it because I'm just like, I want to think that I was so free and so free flowing, but I really think that this industry forced me in the other direction, which I, I appreciate, you know, but I don't necessarily think I'm ready to leave the industry because it offers the security of a consistent paycheck because we all know living an artist's lifestyle is very inconsistent. Healthcare in this country is associated with a full-time job. So there's certain things that I still think corporate America has a grasp on, on people that that's the reason it's quite hard to let it go. Not because I don't feel that I have the abilities to do it, but there's definitely some fear in me that it's keeping me locked in. And I don't know if ever or when I'll be ready to make that that leap. It'll definitely be a risky move. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So in my second episode with Adelel, I was talking to her about art being more than a Western subject. So it was difficult for her coming from a Moroccan background to come up to her family and saying, oh, I want to be an artist because her family just didn't necessarily understand what it meant. And having made all the sacrifices to leave their country and be in France and being in a stable environment, 
it was also hard to to understand a daughter who wants more of an unstable life. And talking about a Western subject, it's because part of her culture kind of just understand you either being an architect or an interior designer, but there's no such thing as creating art and selling art and living off of it. So is there something um, or someone maybe from your culture that held you back from believing that this could be a full-time job? Yeah, my number one hater, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's well-intentioned. And, and that's why it's like, we need to learn to take, once we become adults, we need to learn that our parents are well-intentioned. They're just limited in their, in their thoughts, right? And what happened was, to some extent, she made a point because it's like, we always understood. And I think from my understanding, being an artist is like, you're able to draw these beautiful portraits and these realistic images and all this. So in my idea and also in my mom's idea, it was like to be an artist, you had to be well-trained, classical artists with techniques and all this. And now that I'm exploring this abstract art, I'm like, wait, all along I was in art and there's so many categories of being an artist. There's so many avenues that you can explore. I'm just like, oh my God, you know, but I don't necessarily think my mom was the one who held me back. I just think because those are the beliefs that she had as a child, I also held the same beliefs. And it wasn't until I became adult that I started exploring other avenues, but it was just like, yeah, my mom, she would let me do whatever I wanted. But to me, it came off as facts rather than negativity. But at the same thing, at the same time, it translates into the same thing because it's still a limited belief, you know? Did you finally have that conversation with her to clear things out? And does she support and understand you or do you oh. keep things on the surface oh no at this point she knows i'm cuckoo for cocoa puffs like <laughs> I, I, every day i tell her oh we're gonna be on that yacht and it's i'm gonna be an artist and this is what's gonna happen and it, sometimes it makes sense sometimes it doesn't make sense but at this part she's supportive in everything that i do because it doesn't matter i don't listen to her anymore <laughs> like again i am respectful i listen to her opinions but at the end of the day only you know what's best for yourself and that's the reality of it like i understand my soul i understand my needs i understand my wants as a mother she wants to be loving and she wants to make sure that i'm safe and i'm comfortable and i'm happy but it's to the extent of of her beliefs, which again are very limited to her experience. Was she stricter on you or, or had uh, higher expectations on your education rather than your brother? So is there such a gender gap in the Dominican culture? Um, there, there is a gender gap, but not necessarily in my family. Um, my mom was pretty strict across the board with everything, whether it was education, social life. I mean, like I wasn't allowed to go out. I wasn't allowed to have sleepovers. Like we just come from a very strict, hardworking family. So I think that was instilled in us um, across the board. So I think at, at this point, everything we touched was with the, kind of the same mindset. But yeah, it was, it was extremely strict. But it wasn't, it wasn't strict to the point that it's like, you need to sit down and study and you can't do things. It was like strict to the point that education is first and it's a priority. And that's where the conversations are going to be led. But it wasn't to the point that it was controlling and restrictive because I played sports and I did all types of things. But I knew education was a non-negotiable. Like grades were expected to be like the best that I, I can do, you know? And I think there was a there was an understanding of that. It's straight A's weren't weren't everything, but you needed to make sure that like this wasn't a joke, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What are you the most thankful for about your mom's education on you? I guess my, I'm more, most thankful that seeing the the level of education that my dad completed, the level of education that my mom completed, and then seeing where I ended up as 
and then seeing my coworkers, it almost felt like they entered this life with a head start, right? With all these, what we would call like benefits or just like easier access to certain things. And the fact that I was able to be at the same level as them with all the adversity and all the challenges that I was dealt with, like, I'm really proud of that. Yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. I, I guess, and it's crazy because like, I don't like to compare myself to anybody, but when you kind of put it side by side and you see that I have so much more to do and I'm already here, like, it, it's, it's heartbreaking to know that, wow, I really had to struggle where someone kind of had, they were able to coast a little bit easier. But at the same time, I know that it's made me resilient. It made me strong. And I think that's a skill set that you can't buy. That has, to be, that has to be bred. Yeah. I love your optimism on everything. Even when you like, do you remember we also had bumps in certain projects? There was mm-hmm. always a solution. We always saw things through communication. Yeah, I, I live my life as being solution oriented. It's kind of like a joke. I always say, what is it? I, the thing, this is the quote that we use. is like, everything has a, lo- has a solution except death. <laughs> so they, yeah, there's always... Maybe not yet. Yes. Maybe we'll stop <laughs> death one day. Right? We're working towards it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's all we have is to make sure that we're optimistic. Life is hard. And I think that's the number one thing. It's realizing life is hard it doesn't matter and it's relative right so it's like what's hard for you might not be the same level as hard for me but i can't take away the hardship that you're living because my life was harder right it's like whatever hard is for you is hard for you and that has to be respected but because life is hard i've been able to recognize that life is hard and i've been able to adjust my expectations accordingly because i think that's why anxiety levels are so, so high people have been lied to it's like you have this generation of i'm gonna give you a trophy for just showing up no 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 no. you need to show up you need to grind and you need to like kick rocks in the process you know and the thing is like because i know life is hard and my mom would like you know that was that was one of the things like life is hard get over it you know i was able to be like anytime a, a difficult situation it's just like all right this was expected now how do i navigate this whereas like right now i'm seeing a lot of people getting the life challenges of of what's to come and when it happens they're not able to move past it because they have this weird concept of this false reality that's not it and people who are successful know life is hard any from if you can take anything from this podcast if you can understand that life is hard and life is not fair and you can adjust your you can adjust your expectations accordingly i think life will be a lot more easier for you And even if it gets easier, it will get hard afterwards. It's never over. Life is about obstacles. And luckily it is because that's exactly how we learn and grow. Because otherwise the people who've had like no experience, who've never have been discriminated against, those are the people who have a very little life story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I respect their life stories, you know, because at the end of the day, like who wants to live a life of struggle? No one's going to sign up for that. Let's be serious. You know, like, the reason why I'm doing so much for my life is because I want my children to live a, a life with less struggles, you know, at least let life give them the obstacles that life are going to give them. I don't want to give them an additional layer of, of, of challenges. Right. But at the same time, they're going to get challenges and struggles regarding to whatever lifestyle they're living, you know? So it doesn't mean I'm going to be able to like protect them from everything life is still gonna come at them and it's gonna come at them hard and it's gonna come at them fast i just need to prepare them to be ready for that and give them give them you know life lessons that they understand right from wrong 
and they can grow up to be adults that make good life decisions based on knowing that they have a choice, you know, and that they can choose their happiness. That and also having a supportive community. I think that helped a lot. Like knowing that even when you make mistakes, people are still going to love you. That's also like something that people don't really consider is that they might associate bad behavior with less love. And that's uh, something that parents don't emphasize enough is that even if you make mistakes, even if you, if you deal with a lot of struggle, I will still love you. And the part of love is something that unfortunately in the US it's just it just got it's just got a lot shallower. Well, I I feel like it's so funny because I feel like we live in a society that emotions are frowned upon, feelings are frowned upon, mm-hmm. which I don't think that's the right approach because what what people are learning is anytime feelings show up, it's like we we're doing something wrong or we need to suppress it. I think the important thing is let those feelings come and learn how to manage those feelings. You know, I think that's what's going to move, move the society forward because I feel like we're humans. We're not rocks. This is part of human nature. Like you're supposed to feel emotions, you know? So it's like, it's a weird concept and I, don't, and I think it's going against everything we are and I think that's where the disconnect is coming from because you're constantly getting these feelings and you're constantly trying to fight them and so your heart and your mind are in two different places. They're not aligning. And that's where the, the chaos is coming from. But that's exactly why so many people burn out and they just don't see it coming. Like you don't learn to listen to your body and to stop mm-hmm. before your body just shuts down. So mm-hmm. at some point you just collapse and there's just no wonder why your body just speaks better than your mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure you know I'm the master of nap. Once my battery is done, my battery is done. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to recharge. Like, like if I have to cancel fl- plans, I cancel plans and I take care of myself because at the end of the day, if you're not taking care of yourself, no one is going to take care of you, you know? So it's like, that's very important, especially for anyone pursuing entrepreneurship because it's an inconsistent road. It's, it's a troubled road, you know? There's a lot of things that you don't know you learn along the way, but the number one thing is stay healthy, you know, stay healthy mentally and physically, but I can't emphasize mental enough. You know, I, I feel like we live in a society that unstableness is encouraged, but it's perce- it's it's being taught as like, oh no, it's like totally, it's not normal. Just because your, your buddy is doing it too, doesn't make it right. You guys are both doing it wrong. So like, figure something out. And to touch on your part, part about be, having a supportive community, like, I think my life literally changed when I met you. Because as a strong, independent oh, woman, too, like myself, me too, me too. Yeah, because like a strong, independent woman as myself is really good to have that sounding board. Because to other people who are not in the same mind frame, I sound like a crazy person. It's like, who are you to want all those things for yourself? Who are you to have a choice? Who are you to say that you deserve X, Y, and Z? And then I talk to you, and you're like, damn right, damn right. These are the things we want. And I'm like, yeah, you know. And then, and then as we we um we started talking, we started noticing there were other females who were in the pursuit of the same thing and it didn't make us crazy i just think people have been so far removed and have been taught so many things that are inappropriate that they've been convinced of other but i think we were lucky enough to understand like the basics of life and what's necessary that we were we're we're grounded and we're able to be like yeah this is my life it's my choice you know so i think it's super healthy and i would love to encourage other women to make that decision for themselves as well and know that they have 
a choice. But with choice come compromises. With choice comes consequences. And what does that mean? Sometimes you're going to have to make a difficult choice and you're going to have to lose some people. You might have to lose that job. And that's, that's, I think, the kicker here, that people are not willing to make the sacrifices that come with making a choice. Choices are hard, and that's why people don't want to make them. But just know it's going to be hard, but do you want instant gratification or are we talking the long term? And I think we need to think of the long term more um, because it's a marathon. Life is a marathon. Like, we're super young right now, you know? Uh, absolutely, yes. It was funny. I just updated my LinkedIn a few weeks ago, and I came across the job that, um, where we met at, and I was like, <laughs> what did I do? What really did, like, what was the highlight of my job? Like, I just wanted to put, like, I met Jasmine. That was, like, what I was most proud of. It literally is the friendship that made us stay, like, I think, longer than we should have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that we're able to sustain um, the culture that we just couldn't, like, like, the culture was just, like, very oppressing is not the word, but, like, it was just very stern. The culture was very stern. I, no, it's, I don't think stern. I think stern is too positive. <laughs> <laughs> it was oppressing. I think it was oppressing to, to a certain extent. It was, it was, like, I would call it soul-sucking. That's how I felt. I felt like my soul was being sucked out of my body every single day. And I felt that people were okay giving up their souls in that place, willingly. And that was like scary for me. But you know how I illusioned myself even more? Because back then when we met in 2016, I thought that the oppression came from the position that I was in. The fact that we're just more, that we're just research associates and did not have the PhD. So my goal was to pursue grad school so I can have the freedom to come back in the same company and finally make the science decisions and that people would respect me. People would also uh, follow my directions. But God, I was wrong. It's not at all what you think and getting a phd or getting more respect from people will not change the culture the culture you live in you have to change your environment if you want to grow you can't just stay in a place where you don't belong and we're talking about community earlier and i think you were my community like Mm -hmm. it definitely made me grow not in a science way like i expected but definitely more on the on, on my inner self definitely and i'm super grateful for that yeah and one of the one of the biggest things that i think I continuously remind myself of is you're not going to be for everyone. You're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but that's okay. You have to be okay with that. And you know, and it's like, you want to be in a place that you're celebrated, not at the place that you're tolerated and be okay with, with standing up and going, but that's the hard part. And the thing is us being self-righteous, self-proclaimed independent women, it was still hard for us. We were suckers, right? It took us forever to really realize, and like, this is not for us. You know what I'm saying? And even then, I was still left behind, knowing like every day I hated going to that place and I never made the decision. So it's like, I totally get it. And it's probably the hardest decision that you're going to have to make. But as long as you keep that concept alive, it's going to make it easier for you to tolerate when you are in those environments, you know? You know, we're also talking about the universe knows better uh, what's for you. So at some point, even if you stay, even if you're also abducted and (laughs) brainwashed by the money, (laughs) at some point, the universe pushes you out of your comfort zone and will make you go to the next step. So Mm -hmm. in my case, it was grad school for you. It was something else. But luckily, we got out. I don't think it was a coincidence. Like the Mm -hmm. people who stay there for 30 or 40 years. They made that choice, but also because the universe also saw that they were fine there. 
yeah. we're not. And, and, and I think that's really important to remember that not everyone is caught from the same cloth. The mm-hmm. reality is not everyone can be an entrepreneur. The, the, what's flowing through your blood needs to be strong because it's going to be hard, you know? So it's like, I think that place helped me respect mediocre people because I, I, I remember constantly having these conversations with people like, you can do it. You can, you can build your own business. You can be independent. <laughs> and not everyone is like that. It's either you are or you're not. I think you can develop people who already um, exhibit leadership skills, but I don't think you can make someone from scratch be this entrepreneur. So I think from our point of view, we need to be, a- we need to be able to respect that level of comfort and just, re- you know, respect it, wish them well and continue our journey, you know? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You know, the number of people that I gave a rich dad, poor dad to, you know, the book mm-hmm. and they all, like most of them answered, it's an awesome book. Thank you for the recommendation. Even though I have been complaining about my job, actually I'm fine. So like sometimes it's just temporary thing. Sometimes, like you said, you're not meant to be that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love the message. <laughs> like we talked about how we got out, but like mm-hmm. now all the steps that you have taken towards independence and towards uh, granting your wish of being an artist, that's also super important. Within this past year, I have developed my business a little bit more. And like my biggest thing is encouraging people and bringing out their creativity. And I've been able to showcase this through these projects and through um, my workshops. And I think not only do I, I feel a connection to my community, but I think I'm getting inspired in the process. So I think that's like the, the biggest take for me that it's like the more I give, the more I actually receive tenfold. And I think that's actually a law of the, the universe. What you give, you get in return. And I think I've, I've forgotten that. So I, w- I want to continue teaching and I want to um, make sure that I'm being inclusive in, every, in all my projects, especially in my community, because I feel that this is not something, this is not a concept that people grow up with. Um, so if I can represent a community that they've never been exposed to, I'm happy to do that, you know, and I'm an open book. Anyone can reach out to me, whatever. And like most of the time they do these workshops for free, you know, because I want people to get exposed. Yeah, exactly. I just just do whatever I can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're also talking about this volunteer event. And that's also super important because not everything has a price and not everything has to be turned into a business just like um, our current school system. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and, and it's funny because I think, you know, it's really, and, I, and as a business owner, you know that it's really hard to maintain a business and giving things out for free, especially when you're, when you're starting. But I feel that such a small gesture has such a huge impact that, again, in return, you might not get things that are monetary, but you get things in return that might fulfill you. And, and you can learn things that you can apply to, to your business. That I want to encourage people to make sure that connection is super important and people are important. This is what business is about. It's about people and making sure that you're taking care of them because in the process, you're going to take care of yourself. Absolutely. And it's also important to respect who they are. So like not everyone, even though you teach them how to be something or like even if you think you have a good influence on them, it might not be what they need at the time. So I think uh, we haven't talked about this, but timing, because I know when you were trying the, the self-help things uh, on me, I was not ready. And mm-hmm. it does not matter like how great of a teacher you are. If the student's not ready, you're wasting your time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, 
I think that's really important to remember because I feel that someone who's as optimistic as I am and they want to wish everybody well, I used to take it super personal when I would like try to motivate someone and they didn't listen to me or I could see them like making bad decisions. And <laughs> that's that, you know, that's, that's an ego thing, right? I had to let that go because I, at one point I was at your level, right? Or maybe not necessarily yours, but I was at a level of someone who's just starting to kind of wake up and realize that they do have a choice and that they can, they can travel through a different avenue, right? So it's like now really I'm noticing that the right people who are looking for what I have to give will show up. I don't necessarily need to go bombarding people with my message of like optimism and art and life and aliens and the universe, you know, <laughs> I think the people who are ready for that message show up. And when they show up and they're receptive, that's when the, the, the message kind of gets interpreted because it just falls on deaf ears and it's a waste of everybody's time. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. And that's important to respect too, because mm -hmm. sometimes those people come into your life just so that you can refresh yourself on listening to your own advice, even though that may not get through to that person, but like you've done your job and you've heard it yourself saying it. So that's also like a reminder for yourself. But with that being said, words are super powerful and don't ever underestimate planting the seed because that's one thing I, I definitely keep in mind in regards to like when I am being encouraging and I'm talking to certain people, I try to navigate the conversation in a way that I'm not bombarding them with all this like mumbo jumbo of like life is great. Yeah, you got this. But little concepts I try to like implement and I just give it to them as like a token for them to take with them. They can use it if they want. If not, they can just let it go. But sometimes that one little phrase, they take it with them and it sparks something. I guess for me, what I'm trying to say is anytime you can offer encouraging words or positive words to someone, I support that, you know, and I encourage people to kind of lead with kindness and optimism and just like wish everybody well along their journey. Because one of the biggest thing is you turning on someone else's candle is not going to dim your light. Mm hmm. That's so mm -hmm. pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Jasmine, for all your energy. And I love having you here. And also like, thank you again, like for everything, not just for this podcast, but for just being my friend. Oh, thank you so much. Like, this is one of my favorite friendships. I, I mean, like I've learned so much for you and it's a pleasure to be chatting with you today. Like <laughs> you have no idea. And, and you know, it's so funny because it's like just kind of reflecting on our journey that we're now here, you know, kind of living our dreams a little bit. We're both at the same place and also in need of each other. Like mm -hmm. we're... Like, it's not that one has to lead, but it's like we both helped each other out. Absolutely. I mean, you're my number one person that I go to anytime I need advice or anytime I need, like, an outlook or encouraging words. And maybe you don't have all the answers, but even having a listening ear goes such a, a long way. And I am completely grateful for you as well. So thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> well, would you have a last advice for our listeners on this podcast? Oh, my last, my last advice. I would say, listen to people's advice, but take it with a grain of salt and really follow what you feel is right for you. Because no one is going to know you better than yourself. And always take risks. And life is one. So YOLO, right? <laughs> 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 well, thank you so much girl <laughs> all right thank you <laughs> if you love the podcast you can check out my blog education monsters 
It's education-monsters.com. You can also support my project on multicultural education by donating on my Patreon page. The link is posted below. If you make a donation, you could have a shout-out on my next article or podcast. You could also choose the subject of my new article or podcast. And if you need French or English lessons, meet me on the italki platform. I'll put the link below. Shoot me a message as well if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast. And may today be the best day of your life. Bye.